warning. This is explicit content. There is talk of murder. There is trigger warnings for child death. And so please be aware if you continue onto this podcast, onto this episode, it is a true crime episode. Okay. Hey, this is Sydney. Hey, this is Chloe. And this is Katrina. And you are listening to Murder Obsessed. So today, our lovely Sydney is going to be telling us about who? Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Also, she's lying, guys. She can see me right now, and I'm not lovely. I don't think any of us really look lovely, because it's that, like, lovely time of year where dates don't matter time doesn't matter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're just yeah. like existing as a couch potato like earlier I had a kid a cat and a dog and they were all asleep on top of me and I was like this is nirvana <laughs> well while we are recovering from our Christmas slump um I'm going to get started so the first thing that I found really, really hilariously interesting is um, that Richard Ramirez was born February 29th, 1960, which uh, is a leap day. And we talked about Eileen Warnos and she was also born on a leap day. So I'm like thinking there might be something to this. Yeah, I like one thing with like the Zodiac, a lot of killers are Pisces, like a lot. Um, I'm pretty sure I share a birthday, maybe John Wayne Gacy, maybe I'm wrong because I don't remember thinking that when I was doing him, um, but like a lot of them are Pisces and I'm like, oh, great, which I'm also a Pisces, so I'm like, yeah, I can feel the serial killer instinct deep down in my <laughs> Pisces soul. <laughs> So he's born February 29th, 1960 in um, El Paso, Texas. He was the youngest of five kids um, born. um, His parents were Julian and Mercedes Ramirez. Julian was said, um, he was an alcoholic and he was said to have fits of anger during which he would physically abuse his wife and kids. Um. So that kind of goes back to what we're always finding out, some kind of abuse, sexual, yep. physical, whatever. But uh, not only that, Richard um, is documented having a lot of head injuries, oh, like numerous. Trauma. Yeah. So at two, a dresser fell on his head. Oh. Like, I don't know if he was like climbing it. I didn't read a whole lot I into it. I guarantee he was climbing it because my two-year-old right. was also climbing a dresser. <laughs> yeah. And he got 30 stitches from that. Oh, dang. And then um, at age six, he was hit by a swing and knocked unconscious. It said, it doesn't say how many stitches or anything. It just said that he had deep gashes from this. And then oh, at age swing. <laughs> I, right? I don't know. So then at 11, he, um, he gets diagnosed with epilepsy. Oh, Um. And if anybody doesn't know what epilepsy is, it's a neurological disorder that can't be cured. A uh, person usually suffers from seizures. Um, but I didn't actually know that um, it could be caused by TBI. So epilepsy can be caused by traumatic brain injuries. And so maybe all the, you know, head bashing. Who knows? But anyway... Um, Richard was super influenced by his older cousin, Miguel. Um, Miguel is a, I'm going to butcher this. My husband would probably kill me, but he was a Green Beret combat veteran. Um, and he liked to brag about like his war crimes to Richard. He would show him Polaroids of Vietnamese women that he had raped, murdered, and dismembered. Mm. um yeah and later when you know after Richard is incarcerated he stated that the images um and stories from Miguel didn't shock or upset him that they were like intriguing to him so sense of 
So and red flag. Yeah. Red flag. Right, right off of that. <laughs> red flag. Um, so he, anyway, he's spending a lot of time with Miguel. They're drinking, they're smoking, um, not just cigarettes. They're smoking marijuana, smoking the, the devil's lettuce. And um, Richard's listening to the stories, and Miguel's actually teaching Richard what he called skills that he had learned from like being in the green brace such as killing with stealth and staying hidden in the dark so you know that's happening excuse me and then um May of 73 Richard's like around 13 he is at Miguel's house while Miguel shoots his wife in the face um so yeah that also didn't bother him in his stories after he was jailed like nothing like that was just it was intriguing to him to see that unfold so your boy he's just really really twisted yeah sounds pretty messed up um so after this he uh he moves in with his sister and her husband, who is a, a, a peeping Tom, apparently. The husband is? Um, yes. It's so gross. There's a lot. Like, there's, there's so much backstory that I feel like we're just gliding through because if not, we'll never get to the murders. And there are so many murders that we will never have enough time during this podcast to get through them all. But um, he starts, you know, going with him while he's peeping mm. and stuff like that. Um, so in ninth grade, he decides to drop out of school. Um, and he's arrested around that time for marijuana possession. Oh, so no. he, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I'm thinking like, really, it's the 70s. Who didn't, who didn't have marijuana? Who, who wasn't in possession of marijuana? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, that doesn't make it any more legal. And my husband would call me a a bleeding heart liberal, but you know, we I'm know not. I'm not. I'm just saying. It's, I mean, you know. it's like I remember being a kid and someone being like, "He was smoking marijuana," and I was like, "Dude, there's so many <laughs> other things that are worse than marijuana." Like, like yes, you are correct. It is, in West Virginia, it is still legal, but like. yeah like no one smokes marijuana and goes robs the store like well that's what yeah like i i always bring that up to tyler and i mean that's his story like he'll be like um i've never went on a domestic a domestic where someone was smoking pot he's like i've been on plenty where they were drinking and alcohol is legal yeah very legal my TED talk sorry about that you yeah know. No. I know I don't I know why I mean like I get super I, supportive that I get on I'm like listen me too the only thing people do when they smoke marijuana is eat all the food <laughs> right? and take a nap yeah uh I don't have now like I don't know if it was my kids I might be like don't do that yeah but, but we but would I also be like don't drink alcohol and mm. don't smoke cigarettes you know I just I won't even let my kids drink diet soda so like definitely no marijuana because we're not even drinking yeah. diet soda no 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 all right anyway he gets arrested for this the the marijuana possession and then he soon after moves to California so once he moves to California things start to um accelerate um um he starts to advance from marijuana to cocaine. Yeah, see, cocaine's not good. It's not good. Right. No. I'm thinking, I'm such an anxiety-ridden person, and I'm so crazy anyway, that I'm wondering if I was on cocaine, if I would be just, like, anxious but fast. Yeah. Fast anxious. Yeah, I feel like I would just spontaneously combust from the speed yeah. that my brain would go. Because it's right? already on the level of cocaine I can't imagine yeah my brain up no thank you yeah me either um 
he also at the time he starts to you know um experiment with cocaine he starts getting into satanism which was a big thing for him later um he's out there doing his thing and he's arrested twice in los angeles and both times are for auto theft in 1981 and then again in 84 um then in 84 in june he kills his first victim like it was the first victim they knew of but then later i think he admitted to one before that but it was like the first documented um victim and i'm gonna butcher their names and sorry no disrespect to families or anything like that but um it his first victim was um jenny Wincow. um he broke into her home to commit burglary but he didn't just do that he sexually assaulted her stabbed her and killed her um and i don't know if this like she was she was not um she was an older woman too i believe um which i i know it shouldn't but for some reason that just like it makes it so much sadder for me (laughs) yeah well and it's also like a lot of serial killers have specific types that they you know it's um surrogates a lot of them have a specific type that they follow through with and usually it's their age or younger she um she was 79 i just checked almost 80 years old poor and um reportedly i mean you get a lot of different reports when you're looking up this stuff but her um her throat was slashed so deep that she was nearly like decapitated um and his fingerprint was actually found on a mesh screen that i guess he took out of like a window to like go into but i mean i don't guess that that turned on any of the police i don't really know um so i guess that that crime seemed to like satiate him for a while um because he waits nine months before another known kill and it's in march of 85 and he breaks in and attacks um maria hernandez now this you said the first time was um, almost like an accident, like he broke in to burglarize and she was there. That, so I mean, it says that he broke into to steal because he would break in and steal things to like support his cocaine addiction. Okay. But this but one was, honestly, I don't even, I don't think any of them were just to steal. Okay. Not really, because there's a, when we go back through, there's another one that, um actually ended up happening before the 79 year old if they don't find i don't know if they find out about that till he's in jail so but this one these next ones it was a crazy story he he breaks in and attacks this maria and i guess he he's using a 22 caliber like pistol Mm -hmm. um throughout most of this he goes to shoot her in the face and she if i'm if i'm reading right somehow the way she moved or tried to defend herself the bullet ricocheted off of like her keys her car keys she's in the garage and that is some ninja but she's smart good girl right and she's smart so she just lays down and plays dead basically um and she ended up escaping because of it um unfortunately her roommate um i'm gonna butcher this dale okazaki um she doesn't survive she hears the stuff going on and um she goes to check it out and he shot, shot her once in the forehead which killed her instantly which I'm not making light of, but probably when we're dealing with this guy, that was like one of the easier ways to go. Oh, he's nasty. He gross. 
um, within an hour of what he thought were these two murders, he pulls um, another woman. I guess he's just chilling, walks up to her car, and he pulls her out of her car, shoots her twice with this 22 caliber pistol, um, and then he flees. So this is his first big thing. And of course, with like two murders and a murder attempt in 24 hours, it starts to attract a lot of like media coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is described as a curly haired man with a bulging eyes and gapped rotting teeth. Have you guys ever seen pictures of him? Yeah, yeah, I've, I I, I've seen pictures of him. I'll show her a picture. I mean, to um, me, um, I'm not, I'm not one of those um, fan girls of serial killers, but with the mouth closed, he was not an unattractive man. I didn't. Yeah, think. no, like if you um, look at him and not know who he is, you wouldn't think like right. This guy looks like a killer. Right. Um, so they start calling him the walk-in killer. The walk-in killer. Sorry, I had a little glitch there. The walk-in killer and the valley intruder. Um, and then 10 days later, he breaks into the home of Vincent and Maxine Zazara. Um, he kills Vincent quickly. He's sleeping. So he shoots him in the head. Um, but Maxine is not as fortunate. Hold on just one second, guys. My phone is one. No, we're having some technical difficulties. We're going to pause and go to commercial. Hi, I'm here today to talk about. Hi, I'm here today to talk about Pioneer Boutique. It's located in at 106 Front Street, Marietta, Ohio, and it is a retail gift shop. But they also offer alterations, painting classes, and custom orders. They're conveniently located right on Front Street in Marietta, across from the Lafayette. With personal accounts tailored to your preferences, including online pay, curbside pickup, and the option to text our store, give us a call, send us a message, or stop in to get started. I am super excited about this because they are actually sponsoring Murder Obsessed. And so I'm just really excited to talk about them. They have vendors such as Double A Crafts, Cross My Heart Cast Iron, Nimbus Arts, Rose Barn Boutique, Wild Roots Designs, Rhonda's Unique Boutique, Just Lovely Apparel, Custom Craft Creations, Brushing It with Betsy, and there is now Murder Obsessed Merchandise. So go ahead, stop by Marietta, and check out the awesome Pioneer Boutique. Sorry. We're back. <laughs> um, anyway, so Vincent, as I said, he's killed quickly, gunshot wound to the head. Um, his wife, though, Maxine, is awakened by the gunshot. And so she comes to see what's going on. And Ramirez beats her and binds her hands. He asks her where the valuables are in the house. Um, she tells him so while he's while he's searching she gets out of these binds like go Maxine and she goes and gets a shotgun that's under her bed and apparently I'm guessing she points it at him and pulls the trigger 
I didn't find that much detail. Get it. But it's not loaded. Oh, yeah. So this apparently infuriates Ramirez. So he shoots her three times and then uses a carving knife from the kitchen, mutilates her body, removes her eyes. Oh, stuff with eyes freaks me out. Yeah. And then he places them in her jewelry box, which, by the way, he keeps as a souvenir until his capture. Um, Her eyeballs in the jewelry jewelry box? Yes. Um, One relief is that an autopsy did show that all the mutilations were done post-mortem. Okay. So she died three times. Yeah. She died from the gunshot wound. Not that I'm lessening that. I just can't hardly think stand to think about someone getting cut on you know um their child actually found them so I I mean I don't think he was a child I think he was a grown man you know but still your parents right um so when cops are checking out the crime scene they found a shoe print from Ramirez's sneakers in one of the flower beds and then when they find the bullet casings that they, it's, they match the bullet casings from literally like just the day before. They realize so, they're yeah. So they're, they're realizing that, hey, uh, we have a serial killer, you know. Um, but I don't guess that really, they still didn't have much, you know. So it was let's see again make sure we go from march and then you know he does those two and then we go to may um so may of 85 he breaks in to the home of the doy doys i'm really sorry if i'm mispronouncing that it's d-o-i-s you know and that's how I would pronounce it. Um, he shoots Bill, the husband, goes into um, his wife Lillian's room, and Lillian is disabled in some way. I didn't research that. I don't know if she was mentally handicapped, physically handicapped, but he handcuffs her to the bed, rapes her, ransacks their home, steals all of their valuables. And Lillian actually lives. Um, so I guess that's <laughs> that's one bright side, you know. Yeah. Um, so that is about May 14th of 85. And then uh, May 29th, 85, he drives a stolen car and stops at the home of Mabel Bell, which they called her Ma Bell. She's 83. And Florence Lang, they call her Nettie. Um, That's her sister. She's 81. So he finds a hammer in the kitchen and he bludgeons and uh, binds Lang, Lang, sorry, which is Nettie, in the bedroom. Um, And then he does the same thing to, um, you know, hits um, Ma and bangs her. And then he uses an electrical cord to shock her. Oh. Um, so he's just progressively getting adding just on and doing oh, worse yeah. and worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't end there. He, um, he rapes Lang who is 81 and he uses her sister's lipstick to draw um satanic symbols it says pentagrams but i'm pretty sure that we've discovered that pentagrams maybe aren't satanic so anyway he draws what he thinks is a, a, a satanic symbol um on her thighs and on the walls of the bedrooms um so one thing that I, I've learned, because 
um, I really love the show Supernatural and I wanted to buy a lanyard that was from the show, but it had pentagrams on it. And I was like, I don't want people who don't watch a show to look at this and think that I like worship Satan. But I looked mm-hmm. it up. A pentagram, a star is actually godly. It is the symbol of like Christ on the cross um, mm-hmm. with his head, his hands and his feet. It is the inverted pentagram with the the le- um, the legs up that represent Satan. So if it's inverted, if it's upside down, kind of like an gotcha. upside down cross is Satanist. Um, only gotcha. know that because I wanted to buy a lanyard, but you know, the more you know. Well, um, my niece um, is super into, I don't know, I don't know, like the whole um kitchen witch green witch type stuff you know plants mother earth all that and I know that she was telling trying to explain it to me one day because you know she likes Jesus believes in Jesus but yeah um there's a literally like a wealth of information and I just couldn't store everything that she was telling me so anyway whatever he's drawing is meant to be satanic Um, and um so he draws those symbols on her thighs and the walls and the women are found two days later they are alive um but comatose and critically injured um unfortunately ma dies later of her injuries while she's at the hospital um so then the next day literally the next day this guy just can't get enough um he drives the same stolen car to uh, i don't really know the significance of these places because i don't know how far apart they are ma and nettie um lived in a place called monrovia and he drives to burbank so i didn't really look into how far you know away those two places are but he sneaks into the home of a woman named carol kyle she's 42 um at gunpoint he binds her and her 11 year old son with handcuffs and um then he ransacks the house so because he's like okay he can't find anything so he releases carol to direct him to where like the family's valuables are and she does so and then he still um rapes her repeatedly apparently there's some documentation that he ordered her not to look at him Hmm. um while he's doing this um well and that if she did he would cut her eyes out oh so um but he doesn't kill her and he doesn't kill the child he binds them together and leaves um so this is all may 29th may 30th um then we go on to july 2nd so he you know takes a break for a day or so he uh, randomly selects the house of Mary Louise Cannon, who is a 75-year-old widowed grandmother. So, like, it is so weird. He's so almost unique with serial killers in that he just, like, there's no prep, no planning. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to do that house. I'm going to go in and I'm just, you know, or I'm just going to randomly mean, grab yeah. someone. That how he was able... I think that's probably how he was able to keep this going and do so much damage is because there was, there's no rhyme or reason. He's just like randomly driving, picking houses, randomly pulling people out of cars. Like there's no like line for investigators to get a hold of and be like, this is what he's doing. Mm-hmm. It's almost like he's just like throwing dice out there and yeah, there's no profile. Like it's just, it's, that just that is crazy just killing and raping like this but literally we'll just pull you out of your car yeah so like how are we supposed to know who is going to do it yeah you know? it's mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, it, it honestly, it was a lot. This, this whole, like the research of it, there's no, not that there's ever a rhyme or reason, but there's just so many random, you know. Yeah. With, with this um, 75 year old, um, she was asleep. He knocked her unconscious and then stabbed her to death with a knife from her kitchen. Well, and that's another thing. He doesn't, like, he shoots some people, he stabs some people, he doesn't kill some people. Like, he is just all over the map. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't don't get him. Anyway, three days later, July 5th, he breaks into another home. Um, in Sierra Madre, wherever that yeah. is, it's like a spree. He's like on a spree, right? Um, he knocks a sixteen-year-old Whitney Bennett unconscious with a tire iron. Oh, um, and apparently he goes to the kitchen and searches for a knife that he can use to stab her, and um. <clears throat> He can't find one. So he tries to strangle her with a telephone cord. And his statement is that he started to see electrical sparks come from the cord. And when his victim began to breathe, he fled the house because he believed that Jesus Christ had intervened and saved her. He's crazy. He is insane. Yeah. Um, she did survive. She had to have 478 um, stitches to close the lacerations on her scalp, I guess, where he just bludgeoned her with this tire iron. Well, and like also, I mean, that would make me like if you hit someone with a tire iron, that's gonna break stuff, right? Like, that's like a hammer, you know? Like, I would think so. I would think so. Um, we still he just keeps going too so two days later he breaks into another home a six-year-old woman jesus he's not saying that one one is a sign oh no no one to kill people yeah apparently just jesus was saving that one person that one person in particular yeah yeah so two days later he breaks in again he Beats this six-year-old woman to death. Oh my gosh! By stomping on her face. Oh. Um. See, that bugs me in and, movies. Like when they do the stomp on the face in movies. Like yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gross. Ugh. And this um also he leaves this shoe print on her face. So I'm guessing that this shoe print is going to match the one because it it's a sneaker and it specifically says they were avia sneakers so he's left that in the garden now or flower bed and literally on a dead person um so that night though he doesn't stop there he drives somewhere else finds a 63 year old assaults her attempts to rape her steals her jewelry um I I don't really understand that like I'm not I'm not being what do you want to say ageist or anything but he's not that old yeah what and criminal profiling like I have read enough and learned enough like usually they hit their age or younger it is not normal it is like it's kind of like a an outlier to to go for someone so much older most serial killers kill within their age range or younger and i don't get the i'm not saying that older women aren't beautiful women but usually a man in you know their 30s or whatever are not going to be sexually attracted yeah <clears throat> to a 63 year old i just don't um i don't understand that but this guy he does you know he tries to rape her it doesn't say if he succeeds he steals her jewelry and she just swears at him, hey, um, you have everything I have of value. So, of course, he makes her swear on Satan. 
<laughs> Whatever that means. Okay, so um, then he goes from July 7th um, all the way to July 20th. I guess he needed a break, a little refresher. Um, on July 20th, he goes and purchases a machete. Mm-hmm. Um, and afterwards, he breaks into the home of the I, I believe it's needling, needing, need, needing family. Um, they are 60. It's Leela and Maxon, Maxon, I don't know, M-A-X-O-N. Um, they are 68 and 66. He bursts into their bedroom while they're sleeping and literally just hacks them up with a machete. Oh. Um. Then he actually kills them with shots to the head from the handgun that he's been using. Um, he also then, like, um, he further, like, mutilates their bodies before he robs the house. So just, you know, super, super disturbing. Um, the same night, he breaks into the home of... Uh, uh, honestly, it's Kovanath family. It is. I'm very sorry if I'm butchering these names. It, um, it's hard because, like, as a school teacher, like the first month of school, I'll I'll tell kids like I will say your name wrong, and if you do not correct me, I will not know that I'm saying it wrong. Like, yeah. it's, it's not names are hard because, like. Exactly. And it's like, if it's a French name, it's got a different, like the vowels are different. If it's Latino, mm-hmm. like it's not intending to be, um, right. you're not trying to be disrespectful. It's just, especially like as readers, I've noticed this for myself when I read and I'm an avid reader, a lot of times if I don't know how to pronounce a name, my brain will just skip it. So when I say it out loud, right. I'm like, wow, like Warnos, I was like, I know I'm saying Warnos wrong. Like Eileen Warnos. So it's mm-hmm. not intending to be disrespectful. It's just, I, I'm ignorant of how to say this correctly. If you know how to say it correctly, let me know because I don't want to say it wrong. Right, right. <clears throat> he breaks into um, that family, um, the family's home. He shoots, I don't know if this is a dad. It's His name is Chainarong um, in the head with a... 25 caliber handgun i'm not sure why he switched because it's been a 22 pretty much this whole time yeah he kills him instantly and then he repeatedly rapes and beats um som kid is her name i assume s-o-m-k-i-d but um he binds the couple's eight-year-old son before dragging um the som kid uh, around the house to reveal the location of any valuables. Um, he did tell her, of course, during his assault that she swear to Satan that she wasn't hiding anything for, from him. So then he takes, you know, a, another small break till August 6th when he breaks into the home of Chris and Virginia Peterson. He gets into their bedroom, um, he shoots Virginia in the face. Um, he then shoots Chris in the neck and attempts to flee. Um, but apparently Chris fought back while avoiding being hit by like two more shots. Um, Ramirez did manage to escape, it, but the couple survived their injuries. So, I mean, he has someone that's like, screw you, ma'am. Yeah. I always love when they fight back. I'm like, listen, I don't, I never know how I will react in a situation and I can't speculate, but I'm telling you, I fight for your life, baby, as much as you can. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so we have like a lot (laughs) 
a lot more guys um oh goodness on after this two days later I'm guessing that he needed a break because you know oh my word like these people actually fought back how old were they again they were 20 um 27 you know, I, I feel they're... like that's part of the reason he that he goes after old ladies. He want... Yeah, he doesn't want any challenge because when mm. he tries to go towards younger people, they are able to put up more of a fight. Mm-hmm. Not that older ladies aren't going to fight, but just it's a lot easier to subdue an 80-year-old woman than it is a 25-year-old man. I mean, unless, I mean, that woman's been powerlifting her whole life, but still. Right. It's a lot easier to, as a man, to overpower an old lady than it is another mm-hmm. man. So, I'm just going to kind of skim through the next three just because. Um, that was August 6th. August 8th, he breaks into another young couple's house. Um, Sakina and Elias Abawath. Um, he does kill Elias, shoots him in the head. Um, Sakina and the son do survive the attack, but I think that he rapes her. You know, he steals from them. Um, August 18th. He's also during this time period starting to like kind of try to keep up with the news than what they're reporting of him. Um he breaks in um, to another couple's home, Peter, Peter and Barbara Pan. Barbara did survive. Um, Peter, unfortunately, did not. That's the 18th of August. August 24th, he breaks in on the James James Romero Jr. and his family. Um, excuse me. And he I don't he um the 13 there's a son 13 year old he hears Ramirez breaking into this house um he thinks it's a prowler or something so he goes to wake his parents and Ramirez flees 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 oh my gosh flees flees fled (laughs) the scene um but James, um, the son, runs outside, notes the color, make, style of the car, and gets a partial license plate number. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So then, um, same night, he breaks into the house of a 30-year-old and his 29-year-old fiance. It's Bill Carnes and Inez Erickson. Um, he wakes them up by cocking his gun. He, he shot Carnes in the head that's the man bill three times before turning to the woman um and Ramirez told her he was the night stalker and forced her to swear she loved Satan as he literally just beat her just hit her um after stealing everything he could find there he drags her to another room and rapes her um and then before leaving, he actually tells her, tell them the Night Stalker was here. So um, because I know that you said in the newspapers they give him a couple other names. Um, did the newspaper give him the Night Stalker or did he just start calling himself that? I really couldn't. I couldn't figure it out. Hmm. As much stuff as I read, the only definite thing I could find was that he called himself the night stalker and that you know the they had gave given him a name before this you know that obviously didn't stick um but i didn't figure out who who came up with that name you know him or them yeah um so um bill actually the fiance actually lived surgeons um remove could re- were able to remove two of the three bullets from his head and he did survive his injuries so um and the woman gives a detailed 
description of Ramirez to investigators. Um, and the stolen car that he was actually driving was found abandoned August 28th. Um, and the police were literally able to obtain a single fingerprint from the rear view mirror. Mm. Um, Ramirez had been very careful to wipe his um, prints, you know, steering wheel and all that. But the print, I, I did him because of, you know, he had all the, the yeah. drug and the theft. So Yeah, the, the Grand Theft Auto in the beginning, he's in the system. Right. One little thing, and every single one, like the footprint, right. a fingerprint on the screen. Um. So the media and everyone, they finally have a face to this um man. And apparently, at a police press conference, it was announced, "We know who you are, and soon everyone else will know where you are, and there'll be no place that you can hide." Um, there were a few other murders, but it was suspected murder, so I can't really say that he did that. Um, so anyway, this, that happened on the 29th, you know, they ID'd him. So August 30th, he takes a bus to Arizona to visit his brother. And he's not really aware at this point in time that he's become like a lead story in all newspapers and television programs and all that um so he goes to meet his brother but apparently he's not home so Ramirez returns to LA the morning of August 31st he um walked right past police officers who were staking out the bus terminal um and he goes into a East Los Angeles convenience store um, where he notices a group of actual, like, some elderly Hispanic women, like, identifying him as um, El Matador, which... So, okay, so he walks past police officers yeah, who walks did right not him. catch him, but these old ladies are like, listen yeah. here, that's who that is. Yeah, um, they're calling him El Matador, which in Spanish apparently means the killer. Oh. Mm-hmm. so these little old um hispanic ladies have had it yeah they're tired of getting killed so ramirez looks up and he sees his face on the front page of a newspaper with the head um headline it was a spanish newspaper apparently called invasor nocturno which means night invader I'm yeah. sure I butchered that. So he runs out of the store. He's in a panic. He runs across the freeway. He attempts to carjack an unlocked Mustang, but he's pulled out by an angry, like just resident. Um, his name was Faustino Pinion. I'm sorry again for butchering that. Um, so he runs across the street, and there's this woman, Angelina Del Della Torre. He tries to take her car keys, but the woman's husband is like, nope. So he hits him over the head with a fence post. Call me snap. And then a group of like 10 residents forms and chases Ramirez down the street. Um, They literally catch him, forced him, held him down, and just beat him. Um. And police are called because of the disturbance. Um, he's severely beaten, apparently, at this point. they He's unarmed, and they take him into custody. The crowd had grown to, like, several hundred people. You know, um, the thing is, though, um, I from listening to podcasts and such, such, Californians probably at this point had had it. Because I, I think Richard Ramirez was after this, but the toolbox killer and the hillside strangler, and I'm pretty sure there was another one um, of like mass murder or serial killers, all mm-hmm. happened in the like 70s and 80s. I'm pretty sure California was like, we are done 
living in fear. We are done being afraid yeah. of new killers. Like this is it. For sure. Um he is see it's September 20th of 89 um is his trial and he's actually convicted of all of the charges 13 counts of murder five attempted murders 11 sexual assaults 14 burglaries um during the penalty phase of the trial that was November 7th 1989 he was sentenced to die in a gas chamber um but he stated to reporters after that big deal death always went with the territory i'll see you in disneyland whatever that means um like ew yeah don't don't crap on disneyland like don't put disneyland into your grab um the trial also it i was amazed by this it cost one point eight million which in 20, like the same amount that they spent then in 89, if you would spend that amount in 2020, basically is what they're saying, um, it would have been $3.76 million. Oh my God. Which at the time made it the literally the most expensive case in the history of California until OJ Simpson in 94, like that murder case. Um, so um he he did i don't know really i can't understand because they said oh we're gonna put you to death but they didn't um i know that he did appeal his convictions um even up until 2006 he was appealing his convictions well and one thing that these killers always do is there's always a cut like a couple murders that they've not pinned them on that they did and so Mm -hmm. I guarantee he had some type of deal or something in an appeal or some type of thing where he's like there are more murders that I can give you if you give me this you know well when I was looking into like his relationships and stuff too um by the end of his trial he had a lot of fans who were like writing him letters visiting him um and in 1885 uh, Doreen Leoy had wrote him nearly 75 letters um, and 88 he actually proposed to her and um, they were married in prison well he was in prison in 96 and for a lot of years before he died um, Leoy stated that she would commit suicide when Ramirez was executed um, but obviously that didn't happen. Um, and I looked into this too. And I'm going to butcher this, but I was super interested in it. It's called hybristophilia. Um, it's like Bonnie and Clyde syn- syndrome, like sexual interest in an attraction to those who commit crimes. You know, you hear of that a lot with like Ted Bundy and stuff. People are like, oh, he's so beautiful. And I'm like, hey, disrespect, man. No. I uh, yeah. It, it yeah. doesn't, to me, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Well, and also, like, just gross, like, oh, yeah, yeah, just, like, to have an attraction, I mean, yeah, and if they're not ugly, like, Ted Bundy was actually good looking, and, that, and that's how he got away with a lot of stuff, is, he didn't look the part like mm-hmm. even if they don't look ugly their insides are rotten to the core like if you can kill right. without mercy and hurt people and just and like get a sexual thrill out of it there's yeah no yeah. guilt like there's no love inside of you um he they actually did um they got divorced um because in 09, DNA confirmed that he had raped, which this would have been his fir- first victim, rape, raped and murdered a nine-year-old. Um, her name was Mi Ling. So Whoa. that's when, yeah, that's when she decided, I guess all the other people weren't enough, but yeah. the nine-year-old, she was like, okay, 
that still like that like his criminal profile of like nine-year-olds 20-year-olds 60-year-olds like that is just all over the map like what in the world yeah um there was a psychiatrist michael stone and he actually described ramirez as a made psychopath as a poor or as opposed to a born psychopath um he says that ramirez had schizoid personality disorder and that contributed to his indifference to the suffering of his victims and um he also thinks that you know the the head injuries um temporal lobe epilepsy all of that hypersexuality all came from the the head injuries still doesn't really explain you know it just goes back to the like most of these people if they got the right treatment and the right medication none of none of those people would have died right yeah yeah that is it's super crazy um he did die of complications to secondary b-cell lymphoma um so he had some type of cancer i can't i don't really know what exactly that kind he also had been affected by um um his chronic substance abuse so he had a chronic hep c viral infection um at 53 years old he'd been on death row for more than 23 years which is a whole nother topic. I don't yeah. Know yeah. That's, yeah. We, that needs to be our other podcast where we discuss that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it actually says if he wouldn't have died of that, that by some estimates, he would have been in his early 70s before his execution was carried out due to California's lengthy appeals process. Yep. So. Yeah, no comment. No comment. I'm very on the fence, just to throw this out there, about um, about capital punishment. I really don't know how I feel about it, but I get it. Like, I get, I totally get other people's opinions and why. Yeah, yeah, I can see, I can see both sides very clearly, and Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, it's not a clear black and white to me. It's, it's, it's a right. mess is what it is. And of it's course, a hot if, it's, mess. if it's, if it's your family to, you know, yeah, if it's my mom or grandma or, or child, then it, I'm probably going to feel <laughs> a lot different. There's a lot of circumstances though. How many children, like young boys and women that have been put to death and then later they find out that they weren't guilty Mm -hmm. there's so many circumstances i know and that's what and that's why they have the lengthy process they do i understand its purpose but then there's cases like this where it's it's like like, he did it (laughs) he did it he he was just i mean running through houses slitting throats and raping women like yeah, like I said, this needs we we literally one of these days we will have a separate podcast where we come on and we talk about first world problems. But yeah, that's what we're gonna call it, guys. First world first world problems. Yeah, that's a yeah yeah. <laughs> um, that that's it. That's the story of Richard Ramirez and Night Stalker. I'm thankful that you guys wanted to hang in there with me today because it was a lot realize it was a lot longer than some of our other podcasts but there was just so much information to cover and I didn't want to be disrespectful to you know any of his victims I wanted to try to cover all of them that I could so there were some that like it was just the same he would do the same thing over and over and I didn't want to just like keep groaning on about it but like that's part of their story yeah 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 well guys thanks for listening I'm Katrina this is Chloe this is Sydney (laughs) and this has been murder obsessed stay tuned next week when Katrina me moi does John Wayne Gacy (laughs) another famous serial killer Mr. John Wayne Gacy and um sorry my kid in the background being a, a heathen um but anyway this has been murder obsessed stay listening
stay murder obsessed, but not like Richard Ramirez, obsessed with murdering. Bye. See ya.